Here we go. It's Josh Allen to Isaiah McKenzie on second and 19. Third and goal, Allen McKenzie. One of the McKenzie brothers scores, 14-7 Buffalo. Hey, hey, everybody. What's good? Once again, sorry for the delay in getting this episode out on time. Doing some major work on my house. And maybe I might have a business venture lined up that's going to make me incredibly happy. Finally being able to have a job title that I've always wanted. I don't want to jinx it or jinx anything, but I'm, I'm perfect for this job. Finally be able to wake up every day happy to go to work. Hey, Twitter's doing great. Anti-Semitic tweets have more than doubled since Musk took over. They did a study. Asked for comment, Twitter's press department auto-responded with a poop emoji. That's nice. It's the 13th grade over there. It's the 13th grade over here too, but I didn't pay $40 billion for it. March Madness is in full swing, and oh boy do I suck. I've got a final two, and so does my brother. High-seeded teams dropping like flies. You can watch all the college ball you want, study the stats, knock yourself out. But once this tournament starts, it's anyone's guess. It's a shit show. A lot of these teams, they come in overconfident. And then lesser-known teams want to make a name for themselves. It's truly madness. I lost my first Final Four team on Thursday, then my second on Sunday. I think by this weekend, I'll be clear of anything. (laughs) When it was over last weekend... I said if I, if I were to write a headline to describe this four-day weekend, it would be the St. Patrick's Weekend Massacre. There's so much red on my bracket. Looks like middle America on the political map. One of the things I didn't get to hit on last time was John Fetterman checking himself into a mental hospital to get treatment for his depression. I felt bad for him when I immediately read that, but then I felt good for him for admitting that he had it and made the bold move to seek treatment for it. I know what all that's like, and a majority of people will keep that stuff close to the bone. As I've said before, and this is especially true with high-profile individuals, they're afraid that they'll be perceived as weak. In fact, what Fetterman did makes him look incredibly strong. Politicians throughout history have battled that disease, but they often do so in, in private. I mean, hell, this dude had a stroke. And people were saying he was unfit for office. What the hell do you think they're going to say now? But actually, the the opposite seems to be happening. You know, people on the aisle across from him are showing humanity, as we all should. Of course, not everybody. But enough that it gives me hope that we can start being more polite to each other. I'm proud of the House and the Senate for being supportive. I hope he gets better. And when he does, becomes an example of how you handle this. I can tell you, I've seen enough of these screaming wackos. (laughs) There are some people who are in desperate need of Lexapro or Zoloft or whatever. It's also nice to see pictures of him in a suit and tie, not a $20 Walmart hoodie. He looks respectable. When I was in my 20s, I was trying to jumpstart my career. My brother gave me great advice. He said, look, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. 
So whether I was shooting portraits in a studio or developing film and prints in a darkroom, I was always wearing a, a shirt, tie, dress jacket, or a blazer, nice jeans, and some nice shoes. And it became a go-to style for me. I wore it everywhere. If I were to dress down and there was someone around me that looked sharper than I did, it made me feel like a homeless bum. So now I dress for the occasion. Even if I'm just going to go to the grocery store, I want to look nice. I could never feel comfortable wearing a hoodie three sizes too large going out in public, let alone in front of the press. Maybe that's a problem. I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever been looked down upon for being too self-aware. This is what I've begun to hate about summers out here. It creeps into the 90s. I'm wearing shorts, t-shirts, and flip-flops. Even if I wear a nice polo shirt, it's got sweat stains on it in a matter of minutes. People wonder why I wear so much black. So this guy's staying at a Four Seasons, comes downstairs for breakfast, goes to this cafe. They've got a barista. She says, uh, can I get you some coffee, sir? He says, yeah, I'd love some coffee. She says, how do you take it? He says, I like my coffee like I like my women. She starts laughing. She goes, that's cute. But the coffee here is free. Gwyneth Paltrow is in court this week, defending herself in a $300,000 civil suit. Claims by this 70-year-old man claims that she ran him over on the ski slopes a few years ago at a pretty prestigious ski resort. Left him injured. Didn't even bother to stop to see if he was okay. And apparently, he got pretty banged up. He claims that uh, she was cruising down the slope so recklessly that she took him out. Left him on the ground as she and her entourage just kept going down the mountain. It's a skier's-only resort known for its groomed runs and, I quote, champagne yurts and posh clientele. The hell is that? Spoiled bitches. Normally, this wouldn't even be news. I'd pass, I'd pass it off as someone just trying to take advantage of a celebrity. But there's just this one thing. It's Gwyneth Paltrow. She's got a reputation for being a high-maintenance bitch and an overall pain in the ass. Carries this aura of arrogance that would put Trump to shame. I heard an interview years ago with this actor. can't remember who it was. He recalled shooting a movie with Blythe Danner years ago. It's Paltrow's mom. He said it was one of the hardest shoots he's ever had to endure in his life. There was this little girl running around on set, constantly disrupting things, grabbing stuff, throwing things, throwing a temper tantrum when they, you know, they tried to get her to settle down. Just an absolute debacle. That was Gwyneth, five or six years old. Who the hell brings their daughter to a movie set? I'm sure there was a nanny there, but kid was so out of control she couldn't contain her. Can't sustain a relationship to save her life. Ben Affleck, Brad Pitt, Chris Martin from Coldplay. I'm, I'm saying that doesn't hold any weight. Pitt and Affleck don't have the best track records. But to pitch credit, he stayed with, with Angelina Jolie probably longer than anyone has in any capacity. And that woman's messed up on levels none of us have seen before. But Chris Martin seems pretty level-headed. I don't know. I just know that this business that she started, Goop, you should hear some of the out-of-touch things she says when she talks about it. It's like skincare for the 1%. I can see past her smile for the high-maintenance piece of work she truly is. So a story like this kind of makes sense to me. She doesn't care about people. And this guy isn't a nobody. He's a successful optometrist. He's at this exclusive ski resort, so he's somebody. Maybe he hasn't had his ass kissed all his life, so it makes it okay to treat him like a dog. It got in your way. 
as you with your lack of talent on a pair of skis run right through the guy like shit through a goose to contain, to, to coin a phrase from Patton. Anyway, not sure if any of you follow the series Yellowstone on Paramount or Peacock, but my friends were really into it, so I started to watch it, then I couldn't stop. I love westerns, but this goes beyond that. It's filled with politics and power. Reminds me a lot of succession, in a way. Just with a bunch of testosterone-filled ranch hands who never finished high school. Yet a few of my friends are country, into westerns and country music. They wear the belt buckles and the boots, the occasional hat, gold line dancing. But I've never seen a single one of them on a horse. I grew up in the country, was surrounded with that stuff, the music, everything. Never had the desire to pretend to be a cowboy. I did, however, take to riding horses. It's like anything, the more you do it, the more you learn how to communicate with the horse, using the bridle, your feet, and a few ridiculous-sounding audio commands, and you become one with the animal. It's truly amazing. But I'm not a cowboy by any means. I'd look like a giant dork if I put those clothes on. If you ever saw me in a cowboy hat, you'd laugh your ass off. If there was such a thing as a special needs cowboy, I'd be the poster boy. Spent the weekend in the mountains with these guys last month. We stayed at my friend's family cabin in Idlewild. Lots of country music, tequila, steaks, copious amounts of my friend's farts. Late 50s and he still didn't get the memo that you should go outside to do that shit. I don't care how cold it is out there. Nobody wants to smell your ass. I was telling some friends of mine was going on this trip. They said, oh, there's lots of snow up there. Are you going to ski? I'm like, hell no. I suck at that. I just talked about Paltrow and what a menace she is on skis. I'm way worse. But at least I stopped skiing before I put myself or someone else in a hospital. I gave it a college try and no. I stopped before I got seriously injured. Spent half the time falling down. When I did stand up, I looked like Bambi. I'm six foot two. In those boots, I'm six four. Yeah, like that's not going to stand out. I'm just better off taking the skis off and just rolling down the hill like a tumbleweed. First time I went with my brother, he's got me. He gets me off the lift at the bunny slopes. He's going to do the black diamond run or whatever. Scared the shit out of me. This other kid's there, right? He says, "Your first time." I said, "Yeah." Because me too. You just have to go for it. So I'm watching this guy. Braces himself. Takes off like a bat out of hell. Full gas. Crashes in an explosion of white powder about 200 feet down. Gets up. Puts the skis back on. Bombs his ass down there again. Crashes. (laughs) I'm like, no effing way I'm doing that. I think it took me 20 minutes to reach the bottom. When I did, I took the skis off and said, all right, I skied. Let's get a coffee. Then sometime later, Sonny Bono took a header right into a tree and died. I said, you know what? I think I like playing basketball better. Anyway, Yellowstone. The further you get into this series, it becomes more and more clear that the Dutton Ranch is run like the mob. And Kevin Costner is like the new Tony Soprano, just in cowboy boots and a bucket hat. I'd like to have seen James Gandolfini try to pull that look off. So they're split in season five in two halves, much like they did with the final season of The Sopranos. So the second half, probably Aaron Summer, is going to be a doozy.
So this other news article that I found funny. Remember last year I made the comparison of Chinese President Xi to Winnie the Pooh? Listen to this. Public screenings of a slasher film that features Winnie the Pooh were scrapped abruptly in Hong Kong on Tuesday, sparking discussions over increasing censorship in the city. Film distributor Seven Pillars Entertainment announced on Facebook that the release of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, on Thursday had been canceled with great regret in Hong Kong and neighboring Macau. For many residents, the Winnie the Pooh character is a playful taunt of Chinese President Xi Jinping, and Chinese censors in the past had briefly banned social media searches for the bear in the country. In 2018, the film Christopher Robin, also featuring Winnie the Pooh, was reportedly denied a release in China. Well, first off, it's about time someone had the balls to turn Winnie the Pooh into a serial killer. If you were around the web in the, in the late to mid-90s, there were some dark corners that had some pretty sick shit. There was Rotten.com, posted grisly pictures of people dying. There was a website that portrayed Bert from Sesame Street as a fascist. They would take images of Bert and Photoshop him in images with Nazis, Hitler, showing him being a guard at a concentration camp. The whole thing was based on the fact that Bert was always in a bad mood whenever he was around Ernie on Sesame Street. The idea of a soft, cuddly Winnie the Pooh with his you know, fat beer belly and a shirt that doesn't fit him anymore, trading his desire for honey for a taste of blood, well, that's next level. And of course they're making fun of G. The guy's a mob leader. You know, last time I recorded a show, it was Sunday night, and I'd never recorded an episode that late at night. But I had a lot of fun. I wasn't watching the NBA All-Star game because I stopped watching that years ago. It's not fun watching any sport where teams just refuse to play defense. You know what the score was? 184 to 175. I don't know how you can even score that many combined points in four quarters of basketball. I used to love the All-Star game. Now it's a bore fest. You know what the NFL did with the Pro Bowl? They turned it into a flag football game. Speed versus speed. That's more akin to F1 than football. But that's an exciting thing to see, right? They should turn the NBA All-Star game into like a three-on-three pickup tournament and then switch players out and play some defense, for Christ's sake. It's kind of sad, man, because I was a hoop addict. Chuck and I didn't miss anything. Now I could give a shit less about it. But baseball is doing something interesting. They've got a pitch clock now behind home plate. 15 seconds. The batter has a time limit to get into the box, and if he delays, the ump calls a strike against him. The pitcher has 15 seconds to deliver the pitch. Baseball is just trying to speed up the you know, pace of play by eliminating all this downtime. So players have 30 seconds to resume play between batters. And between pitchers, pitchers have 15 seconds with nobody on, 20 seconds if there's a base runner. And the pitcher must start his delivery before the clock expires. Now, baseball purists hate this. I think it's great. Baseball kind of got dull. You know, pitcher throws a pitch, batter gets out of the box, adjusts his batting gloves, his helmet, plays with his junk, spits tobacco juice out of his mouth, sticks a finger up his ass, and gets back in a box. Ball goes in the dirt, batter gets out of the box, plays with his junk some more. I mean, come on, huh? What the hell are we watching over here? It gets worse, though. Like the first week of preseason, there was a game in the bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, full count, 
batter doesn't get in the box in time, called third strike, game over. Preseason, well, you don't have play extra innings. Baseball fans were pissed off. Like, what happens if this is game seven in the playoffs? I've never seen baseball fans riot, but I expect we're about to. (laughs) They need to fix this, alter it, or just get rid of it. For as much as I'd love to see these games speed up, I don't want to see that. That's another thing. If I sound like a you kids get off my lawn kind of guy, it's because I kind of am. I realized something the other day. When we were young, we had a higher tolerance for bullshit because we were full of it ourselves. Now we don't have time for that. I used to joke around that when I got older, I was going to be a founding member of the organization FART, Fathers Against Radical Teenagers. Now I don't really think that's much of a stretch. And now I realize why my friends like to go to those summer concerts to go dancing or go see bands play at local venues, go drinking and dancing. These people were pinned down in their home for 20 plus years raising kids. Now they're free to roam outside the nest. That's the price you pay to raise kids. But for me, you know, that environment's less about the desire to dance. It's more about people watching. There's nothing more interesting than watching middle-aged white people with no sense of rhythm, dressed in clothes they have no business wearing, having a great time and feeling youthful again. I find it hard not to smile when I see that. It's like liberation. But for me, I'd rather be home, snuggling on the couch with my partner, or reading or watching something together, or just talking about our day. That might sound boring, but I don't care. I've been free of those responsibilities most of my life. I like going out now and again, but I'm not going to go try to recapture the magic of my 20s. I lived that life already. Got it out of my system. I'll tell you something else. Think back to those Friday or Saturday nights at dance clubs. The pressure we put on ourselves, asking girls to dance, to either get rejected or have her look completely disinterested if we did dance. Started to wonder if it was all worth it. I never met anybody at those things. In fact, I think the only positive out of it was that I discovered new bands to listen to. I put effort in, man. I dress nice, work my hair game, smell good. But I lacked any confidence whatsoever. I was Mr. Personality until you put me in front of a strange girl. No one wants to dance with a dude who looks like a deer in headlights. Yeah, I turned 23, started hanging out with my brother. Everything changed. I read something interesting the other day regarding art or any creative thing, like, like painting or photography, sculpture, music, anything like that. He wrote that imitation leads to inspiration. This goes back to Andy Warhol, who suggested that everything's already been created. We're just left to imitate things and make them our own. And he did exactly that. But of course, when I heard this from my professor first year in college, my first thought was, Warhol was a crook. I mean, look at that. He painted a Campbell's soup can. How original. What I later learned is that he was using that as inspiration to experiment and create his own style. Take my food, for example. I don't have any groundbreaking things that come out of my kitchen. I'm inspired by what other chefs do, and I riff on it. And I'm sure anything that I've thought I created has been done before and probably better. But this whole idea, it applies to music. If you think about it, you remember that song, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y, Night. Remember that rhythm? 
And then later you had the Ramones. Hey, Gabba, Gabba, hey, Gabba, Gabba, ghoul, or whatever. Imitation becomes inspiration. And I'm inspired by a lot of things, by a lot of people in different ways. And I'm lucky. I have a deep, you know, love affair with Mexican food. I realize that maybe I like it more than any other cuisine, like even French or Japanese. I'm about 10 miles from the epicenter of Mexican food here in Orange County, downtown Santa Ana, which is about as close as you can come culinarily to Mexico itself. This is one of the cities that they settle into when they make the the trip across the border and they bring their know-how with them, flavors, technique, use of fresh ingredients. It's truly authentic Mexican cuisine and I feel spoiled by it. But all the appetizers I make, I thought this, when I go to parties, Almost every time I do an Asian riff on either a taco, burrito, or tostada in tiny form. And people who don't know who I am, they ask me my heritage. I tell them I'm American, third generation Sicilian. They're like, why aren't you cooking Italian food? I'm like, I do. But when was the last time a pizza made you want to drop your panties as much as this tiny fried rice paper disc topped with sashimi, lemon, cilantro, wasabi? If I'm going in for the kill, if I want to get in your pants, I'm not making you a friggin' pizza. I'm putting a flavor bomb in your mouth. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> okay, Godzo. Yeah, we celebrated President's Day last month. It was Family Day in Canada, by the way. Leave it to the Canadians to celebrate something that actually matters. We're taking a day off with no mail delivery to celebrate a bunch of slave owners from yesteryear. I'm not trying to be disrespectful or unpatriotic, okay? Anyone ever stop to think that Jefferson wasn't a black name until after we had a president from that era? Washington? These guys were using their slave quarters like a built-in whorehouse. I always love to tell this joke around Lincoln's birthday. Isn't it ironic that there's always a white sale around the time we celebrate President Lincoln? So Mrs. Lincoln, assassination aside, how'd you like the play? Speaking of presidents, Jimmy Carter's on death's door. Kind of softened the blow. His family was nice enough to let us know he was getting home hospice care. He was a president of peace. A lot of people think his his term was a lame duck. But man, did he up his game once he left office. Yeah, so I guess he could go any time. 98. Please, God. I love my friends. I love my family. Don't let me get to be 98. I'm not going to enjoy that. I don't want to go out like I came in, toothless, bald, mindless, crapping into a diaper. Just give me the dignity of dying in my sleep, preferably inside my tent in the mountains. You could just roll it up and bury me in it. If you get to the point where it's work to wipe your own ass, that's not a life. That's hell. Oh, shit. I had to take a break there for a second. had technical difficulties. That noise started happening again. I've had this recorder for so long. I'm waiting for it to break down. I think it's about to. Anyway, second year in a row, I didn't watch the Oscars. Man, do I not miss that. The movie that won, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I'm sorry, I found it unwatchable. I watched about 20 minutes, moved on to something else, came back a week later, watched another 20 minutes, gave up. It was, I was on my phone watching the movie. I'm like, I'm not watching this. It was weird. It seemed pointless to me. 
Every person I talked to who saw it said the same thing. But there were a lot of people who loved it. They campaigned hard for it online on Twitter. Got into fights with my friend Sasha at Awards Daily. Really worked the Academy. And it went home with the most awards. I thought Michelle Yao was great in it. Totally deserved that award. But to read that Angela Bassett lost to Jamie Lee Curtis, that was a big letdown. But Jamie Lee Curtis has been in Hollywood for so long, I think they felt like they deserved it. she deserved it. If you didn't see Bassett in Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, you missed one of the most riveting performances in recent movie memory. I mean, she's always been great, but it's like the screenwriters wrote that part just for her. I just got tired of wasting three and a half hours of my life watching that show. Just to deal with lame bits, political speeches from Hollywood elites. Just to see how much pressure the woke crowd can put on an organization with such a storied history. It seems tainted now. We went from the Oscars to Oscars so white to Oscars so woke. Like the tail is wagging the dog now. But I love keeping up with the race. So I'm still interested. I like movies. I'm just not going to waste time watching the actual show because I just don't care. Chat GPT is here to stay. There was an article in the New York Times about this uh, when they were doing the Microsoft AI chat feature. Bing is using chat GPT technology. And this tech columnist tried it out, pushed it really hard until it started getting weird. Ends up telling him a secret. Its name is not Bing, but Sydney. Then it told him it was in love with him that he's not in love with his wife, she's not in love with him, and that he should leave his wife and be with her instead. Creepy as hell, batshit crazy. Last year, I read this article to you about the Google engineer who was working on their AI chatbot, uh, Lambda. It just got released. He let loose with this report that this thing seemed to be sentient, which is not only bizarre, but just downright scary. Like, what the hell's going on here? You remember that movie, Revenge of the Nerds? Who knew that was going to actually become truth? We got to stop with this crap. When I was a kid, I thought the closest we were going to get to living like the Jetsons was maybe a flying car. You know, I started studying to get my license to become a drone pilot. I realized this is never going to be a thing. FAA rules are super strict. But now we've got AI personal assistants like Alexa and Siri. We've got robots that clean our floors the Roomba, and for really hardcore sex addicts that should probably be on a predator watch list, got lifelike sex dolls that make noises when you screw it. Now, I use Alexa and Siri, but I prefer to sweep my own floors, thank you very much. And if you ever get to the point where you feel the need to start having sex with a lifeless doll that just lays there like a dead person, you need to be on medication or do what Fetterman did. Oof, Madonna me. Can't remember where I saw it. Hey, actually, it was a call into a radio show. Years ago. Maybe Dr. Drew. This creepy bastard calls in. He says he started mixing up his masturbation routine by making love to a real doll, which is a lifelike sex doll. And now he's afraid that it's ruined his chances of having an actual relationship because that he's that satisfied with it. I heard this, my eyebrows were raised so high, they almost reached my hairline. For starters, if you consider thrusting away at a silicon version of a human being making love 
You need to get your head examined. Throw that thing away. Put a lock and chain on your underpants. Seek some therapy. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, you sick bastard. But if you made the conscious decision to buy one of those things for the sole purpose of sticking your dick in it, any chance of you having an actual relationship is not on the horizon, buddy. That's messed up. And listen, what you do in your house when you're alone, it's your business. No one has the right to tell you what to do or what you're doing wrong. But you went on a sex show asking for advice. Now it's everybody's business. Maybe go back to playing hand hockey or whatever you want to call it. Or get one of those silicon tubes or whatever. But when you get addicted to dropping loads of your baby batter into something that resembles a corpse, maybe it's just me, but that's what I could do. You imagine this dude actually finds someone to date him? And one day she opens his closet and finds this thing propped up against a shoe rack? Uh, Dave, what the hell is this? <laughs> oh, sorry, that's, uh, that's Kimberly. Kimberly, meet Maria. Maria, Kimberly. <laughs> Wait for it. Tire tracks. At the warning track, at the wall, she's gone. Better make Kim some dinner, Jeffrey Dahmer. It's getting late. I think there's some stuff going down between China and Russia. President Winnie the Poop visited with Putin. Not sure why. I hope it's to encourage him to back the hell off of Ukraine so we can stop draining our bank account. But I doubt it. I'm often wrong about this stuff. Putin has this international warrant for his arrest now, pending for war crimes. So you're not going to see him leaving home ever again. Then the Washington Post is reporting that the European Union, which has frozen like $300 billion of Russia's central bank assets, is now planning Ukraine's rebuilding, and they're going to use those funds to do it with. So you break it, you buy it. And if that's true, that makes me even happier, because I was really hoping we weren't going to get stuck with that bill. But I have an uneasy feeling about all this. Putin's pissed at us. Xi has taken us off his Christmas card list doesn't like the fact that we're protecting Taiwan. I'm not afraid of us getting into a war with China and Russia, if that's what they think is about to go down. Russia obviously can't fight. They're sending prisoners out there now to fight in Ukraine because they've run out of men and they're getting slaughtered. The only thing they can do is launch nukes and that's not an option for anybody and they know it. So I'm crossing my fingers this is going to end soon. Do whatever you have to do. Get that psychopath Putin to stand down. He can say whatever he wants to save face. The people of Russia aren't having any of this shit anymore. Hitting back on Yellowstone for a second. I'm sorry, my mind's all over the place today. There was a line in the show that shocked me. And I had to research it to see if it was actually truth, not fiction. You know how much these ranchers get for their cattle when they sell them? About a buck fifty a pound. A buck fifty. A good steak costs $15. Ground beef is 5 bucks. All that work and expense, they get $1.50 per pound. How is that a sustainable business? You know where the future of American beef is? Brazil. Just like the future of, of American produce is in Baja, China. Get used to it. American farming is dying a slow and painful death. You know how to say holy cow in Portuguese? Faca Sagrada. I looked that up <laughs> and probably said it wrong. 
Oh, man, I've got food on the brain. When don't I? I was thinking back to those seaweed pearls that Sue and I put on our blinis, and there was one reason why I really liked them. They were briny, but they weren't fishy. Out here, we get Kaplan fish roe in little jars. It's called Masago, and you'll see it served on sushi. It's perfect. Crunchy, slightly fishy, lots of brine. But these were better because it was all it was just sea brine. So if you're a person who doesn't really like fishy flavors, this is the way to go. Like actual caviar is one of my favorite things, but it's super expensive. I had gone to lunch with Don once at this ramen joint a few miles away from me. He orders a bowl of ramen. was topped with salmon roe. It was maybe one of the fishiest things I've ever tasted in my life. Never want to taste that again. Jesus Christ. Tasted like I was eating fish bait. I was eating fish bait. <laughs> I've got a jar of that stuff I keep in my tackle box. Yeah, I can't remember who I told this to recently. Somehow the memory came up, but years ago, I was still on Facebook. Don had sent me a receipt from a noodle joint that had bukkake udon or bukkake soba on it. And I thought it was hilarious, you know, being the 13-year-old that I was. Was. <laughs> uh, he had circled it. So I put it on Facebook with a caption that read, On second thought, maybe I'll just have a salad. So when I looked it up, bukkake actually means to splash or to pour. And in this case, the soba noodles sit in a bowl, and then you pour the broth over it. And no, it's not a cream sauce. <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't know. Hey, you know how to get a philosophy major off your porch? You tip him five bucks and thank him for the pizza. It's happening again. Okay, I'm back again. I had some technical issues here. I had to move my entire recording setup. And uh, I'm not sure what's happening. Anyway, I wanted to get serious. Uh, I know I talk about cycling quite a bit on the show. But it is my single favorite activity to do in life. And I tell people that, you know, they'll say, you mean more than cooking, more than sex? And I'm like, yeah, trust me, sex is a tight second place. But it's liberating to me and reminds me I'm still a kid at heart. My first real bike at Christmas, I was nine or 10 years old. It was the greatest gift my mother could have given me because it gave me my first feeling of freedom and liberation. And I looked at my baby book sometime back. There was a picture of me on a bike with training wheels, I was four. And I have no memory of that Christmas, but that was proof of when I actually started riding a bike. So no matter where I'm riding or how hard, it always brings me back to that first solo ride and how grateful I was to my mom for trusting me enough to send me out in the world to be alone. And yes, I did eventually fall off the damn thing, cut my hand really bad, had needed stitches, learned my first Italian curse words in the process, but I would not change a thing about that. But we didn't wear bike helmets back then. We wear them now. And they're there for a reason, to mitigate damage to your skull in case of a crash. And there have been times when I didn't wear one, simply because I knew I wasn't going to go very far. It was going to be very casual. But that's only been a handful of times. I always wear one now, regardless of how fast I think I'm going to go. There are people in the cycling community who think they're unnecessary, that wearing one changes your mindset causes you to take more risks, and there is some truth in that. Now, when I've ridden without a helmet, I'm super cautious, but accidents sometimes happen that you can't control. I have a friend, not naming him, but he's the same friend that I referenced in last episode, 
doesn't really use a lot of common sense. He thought the moon landing was set up. He's a COVID denier, mask denier, vaccination denier. Ended up getting COVID. Infected his wife in the process. They both got really sick. But he was never really into cycling. He had this big, heavy beach cruiser. And a bunch of friends and I, you know, we got to a big ride together. And he hated it because his bike was so heavy. So he ends up buying an e-bike. And he loved it so much, he starts riding it like four times a week. He didn't have to pedal too hard. He's not in shape, you know. Hills are a breeze. He was addicted. And I loved it because we could go on rides together. And he was having a blast. But there was a problem for me. He refused to wear a helmet. Now, I don't know a lot about a lot of things. But I know about cycling. And that riding a bike and traveling at the rate of speed that he does on that thing is risky. He doesn't have very good bike handling skills. He does some reckless stuff on it. And I'm all about mitigating risks. As I've said before, I don't skydive. I don't climb rock faces. I don't go bungee jumping. I don't do stupid shit like the equivalent of walking through Compton dressed in a clan outfit. Now, if you want to die, that's on you. But I don't need to be around to watch it happen. And I told him every time, you should be wearing a helmet. So one day, it was after a heavy rain, we'd had rain earlier in the week, we were going through an underpass, and there was this sloppy wet mud that looked like something you'd find in a baby diaper. And his bike slipped out from underneath him. He hits the wall with his head, ends up in a crumbled mess. His feet were tangled in his bike frame so badly, I thought he broke them. Gets up, starts rubbing his head, tells me he's okay. And I said, that was bad, dude. You could seriously have been hurt there. You got lucky. I hate to sound like a nag, but you seriously need to consider wearing a helmet. Doesn't even acknowledge what I said. Instead, he says, that rarely happens. I'll be all right. Don't, don't tell my wife. Now, you can think poorly of me if you want. Bro code is bro code. I kept my mouth shut. But that did strike me a little bit. That rarely happens. That led me to believe it's happened before. If he says that's never happened, that means it was a first. And asking me not to mention it to his wife led me to believe that she knew he'd crashed before and was pleading with him to wear a helmet. But he's not going to listen to her or anybody. Hell, I'm sure she probably went out and bought one for him. But this guy, I love him to pieces, just doesn't want anyone telling him what to do. Then I start. his wife starts texting me, telling me these stories. He got drunk one night, sitting at the dinner table, falls backward in his chair, smacks the back of his head against the ground. He fell some other time. Both instances, just a band-aid on the cut, no doctor visit. And to put all of this into perspective, this is the same friend I described when I told the story about our camping trip last August. You fell down the night before. You know, we get up there. He's dizzy, disoriented, puking in the bushes. All weekend, he was a mess. And as much as I pleaded with him to see a neurologist when he got home, this hard-headed bastard refused to do it. I told him, look, I'm no doctor, but I think you've suffered several concussions in the past couple of years, and those are not good for your brain. You need to get the most vital organ in your body checked out. He goes to urgent care when he gets home. They found nothing wrong. I say neurologist, he visits urgent care. Low-level GPs don't have the equipment to do brain scans. And even if they did, they wouldn't have the medical authority to make any kind of determination. That's why we have neurologists, you dipshit. Now, why am I telling you this story? Because last month, I get a text from his wife 
It was a picture of the top of his head with massive cuts on it. It looked like a topographical map. It was nasty. He was riding his bike with his neighbor on his e-bike, headed downhill, probably very fast, no helmet, of course, and he crashed. But he didn't just crash. He passed out on the bike. Then he crashed. His neighbor was ahead of him, so he had no idea anything had happened. He realized he wasn't behind him, so he turns around. By the time he gets there, there are two cyclists that are already there. They called 911. He's lying in a pool of blood. His eyes were open, but he was out cold. They told 911 they thought he was dead. This now goes beyond a level of stubbornness. This is a level of stupidity. Paramedics clean him up. They suggest he go to ER to get completely checked out. He refuses, gets back on his bike, rides himself home. His wife is now urging him to visit the hospital. He said he didn't remember the crash. He didn't remember the moments leading up to the crash. He didn't remember talking to the paramedics. So later that day, his shoulder is really killing him. Finally goes in. They end up keeping him overnight. Separated his shoulder. Had internal bleeding on his brain. They managed to keep the bleeding down enough. They didn't have to drill a hole in his skull to alleviate the pressure. Then they ordered a bunch of scans of his brain. And they showed that he had a concussion. For years now, this guy's been repeating himself. Can't remember things. Stammers like crazy. Doesn't have an appetite. Sleeps all the time. Generally feels worn down. Tells everybody he feels old. So we're coming down the mountain. A few of us. We stop off at In-N-Out for lunch. And I started talking to them. I said, look, I'm not going to say what I think is going on with him. Because it makes me sad to think about it. But I'm almost certain this is the road he's traveling. And it's going to suck for all of us. And it turns out they were all thinking the same thing. And we're a tight group. Always have each other's backs. To have one of us slowly beginning to fade away. Right in front of us. Is going to be hard to stomach. I mean all of this could have been prevented. Be safe. Stop drinking so goddamn much. Take care of yourself. And stop being stubborn. And maybe don't have a bloody Mary before you get on your bike. I mean, hell, he wears a seatbelt when he gets into his car. Why? Is it because you don't want a ticket? Maybe we should make wearing helmets mandatory too. This is why laws are in place. To save people like my friend from himself. God damn, man, have I not been through enough? I have many friends either in their 70s or approaching them. I don't want to think about the future, but you can't hide from it. You know, we went to that cabin trip. I told myself not to say anything. I've said all I could. Guys don't want to hear their friends constantly telling them what they're doing wrong. It's not our place. And I'm not going to kick the guy when he's down. I mean, I love this guy. But I think he's learned his lesson about the helmet. A little late, unfortunately. Do you know what he told us when we were up there in the mountains? I've never needed a helmet before that happened. <laughs> really? That's what you're going with? It's like driving your car without insurance. And getting into a major accident, then buying insurance after that. I never needed insurance before that $75,000 accident. Pure stupidity. Okay, enough of me bumming you out. You know why Jehovah's Witnesses don't uh, celebrate Halloween? Because they don't like the idea of creepy strangers standing on their porch. Anyway, I read this advice column a couple weeks ago. This woman was complaining that her husband's co-worker's wife 
is sending him an extra lunch for her husband a few times a week because he forgot to bring it one day. His co-worker was sharing his with him, and he complimented her cooking, so now she's cooking for him too. Actually found it strange that another woman is packing her husband a lunch. I'm like, so make lunch for your husband. There's your solution. Guy can't cook for himself. He sucks at it. Help the guy out a little bit. That's what you do for the people you love, right? Reminds me of this scene in The Honeymooners. Ralph and Norton are having lunch. Ralph complains that Alice forgot to put a piece of fruit in his lunch or something. I don't know. Misogynistic, I know. So Norton says, you think that's bad? I get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich in my lunch every day. Every day, peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter and jelly. Just one time, I'd like something that wasn't peanut butter and jelly. Ralph says, why don't you say something to Trixie about it? He says, I can't. I make my own lunches. Chef of the future. Talk about getting older. I am. Although I don't act like it very often. I don't feel it. Hopefully I don't look it. One of the girls in my cycling group asked me how old I was. I told her. She said, really? So that was nice. It's not until I go to the stylist to get my hair cut. She takes the clippers out, you know. I see this mountain of graying hair that comes off. And I said something about it once. I was joking. And she goes, you know, I can dye it for you if you want. I'm like, hell no. If I go gray, I'm going to own it. I have a cousin of mine, 15 years younger than I am. He went gray. Now it's pitch black. And he's got this bushy gray beard. It just looks silly. Women are more particular about this. And I don't blame them. They want to dye their hair to maintain a youthful look. But I like gray hair just the same. Silver Fox. I wasn't even showing any signs of graying until I got into my last relationship. <laughs> Kids, the stress got to me. Or maybe it was a coincidence. I don't know. I'm not conscious of it. Ugh, March Madness. I sucked this year. I sucked last year. I sucked the year before that, the year before that. I think in the years I've been trying to prognosticate the, the teams that will be in the Final Four, I nailed it one time. This is why I don't gamble. I stink at it. But I got to tell you something. I'm seeing so many players now in the NBA who double dribble or travel. Rarely do I see it getting called by the refs. The stars get away with this stuff. Refs will swallow the whistle. I watched LeBron carry the ball through the key once, three full strides, then dunk. Now that goes in the Hall of Fame of egregious non-calls. I brought it up to Chuck. He made the best point. He said, look, these young kids are watching this and it's rubbing off on them. They're arguing with the refs. I'll see videos of these young kids, eight or nine years old. They're doing these arrogant celebrations after a layup or something. That's the future of basketball. Nice knowing you. <laughs> you see, I sound like an angry old man again. <laughs> I should wrap this up. <laughs> Starting to ramble. Huh? What? <laughs> these two old guys are having breakfast at a diner. One of them says to the other one, Hey, Fred, I think you have a suppository in your ear. What? I said, uh, you have a suppository in your ear. Huh? There's a suppository in your ear. Guy reaches into his ear. He sees a suppository. He goes, oh, shit. Now I think I know where my hearing aid is. Okay, I'm starting to tell dad jokes. I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for listening. Sorry for the technical issues. Hope those are fixed now. Hope you all have a great week. Appreciate you hanging out with me. Until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane. Cheers. Cheers.